Welcome, brethren. Welcome to everyone. Uh, happy to see you all once again. And um, very happy, as uh, Sister Claudia indicated, that we have a dedication today. And dedications are more than a formality. Dedicating your baby to the Lord means something. It's not just one of our traditions. When we dedicate a, a child to the Lord, we're doing two things. We are asking the Lord to protect and watch over the child and us too as the parents so that uh, he may grow up in the way that he should grow, strong and healthy and loving the Lord and the truth. And the other thing that dedication stands for means is that when we dedicate our children to the Lord, we are offering them to the Lord. Just as Samuel was dedicated to the Lord, brethren. And I hope that we all understand this. When we dedicate a child to the Lord, we are giving that child also to the Lord. And it is for good that we give the child to the Lord. And Samuel was dedicated to the Lord and he served the Lord all the days of his life. And that is the way that we want our children to go too. We do not want our children to be uh, looking out after the ways of the Philistines. It didn't work out so well for Samson when he, when he, when he tried those things. And we don't want to have our children uh, looking out for the ways of the world today. It won't work out so well. We want to dedicate our children to the Lord and have them follow the Lord all the days of their life. It's started in our dispensation with Jesus himself. He blessed the children. In the days of Christ, mothers brought their children to him that he might lay his hands upon them in blessing. By this act, they showed their faith in Jesus and the intense anxiety of their heart for the present and future welfare of the little ones committed to their care. It is a tremendous responsibility that Mothers and parents, fathers too, have. And it can cause intense anxiety as we wonder what is going to happen to these little people that the Lord has entrusted uh, to us. And by dedicating them to the Lord, we give 
those worries and troubles to the Lord. We don't need to have that intense anxiety because the Lord will show us what to do. He will inspire us, literally, in how to raise the children in the, in the right way. If we are uh, truly doing our part, walking with the Lord on our side. This is an encouraging lesson to mothers of all time. Jesus' dedication of the children. After they had done the best that they can do for the good of their children, they may bring them to Jesus. Even the babes in mother's arms are precious in his sight. And as the mother's heart yearns for the help she knows she cannot give, the grace she cannot bestow, and she casts herself and her children into the merciful arms of Christ, he will receive and bless them. He will give peace and hope and happiness to mother and children. This is a precious privilege which Jesus has granted to all mothers and parents in general, brethren. Let mothers now lead their children to Christ. Let ministers of the gospel take the little children in their arms and bless them in the name of Jesus. Let the words of tenderest love be spoken to the little ones. For Jesus took the lambs of the flock in his arms and blessed them. Adventist Home 274. Brethren, we must always be uh, in our work uh, with, the, with uh, the sheep. We must always be uh, follow the system of Christ, not the system of his disciples at that time. They were going to push away the, children, the mothers. The master did not have so much time for such a thing. He, he had very important business to take care of. But Jesus saw differently. He saw that the children were just as important as everything else. And as we go about our earnest way, uh, to um, teach and encourage and help. Let us not forget the children. If we do, we will be making a very large mistake that Jesus himself did not make. Now, we are to dedicate Malachi Asher Atkinson to the Lord today. I know his parents. I have not had the pleasure of meeting Brother Malachi, but I believe, but we see his parents there, maybe. They were there. And um, they love the Lord. They have been faithful in the various vicissitudes that. Uh, uh, world has uh, uh, pushed upon them. They have been faithful and they love the Lord and they want little uh, Malachi to also grow up loving the Lord. And God has promised, God has promised that um, he will be faithful to his word. 
He has told us that he will watch over these children. Uh, he will help us to understand how to um, rightly train them, which is a difficult thing in this day and age. And it takes inspiration on the part of the parents. Inspiration from God. And he will do that. He will help Sister Samantha and Brother Evans train little Malachi and his brother, Martin. Uh, he will help train them in the right way if they are faithful themselves. And that goes for all of us too. If we are faithful, uh, he will be faithful on his side. So this time, uh, and I want to say something about our virtual dedication. We live in a time when things are different. The enemy is trying to um, delay the work, slow down the work, cause problems with the work. And instead of these things holding the work back, they are going to work uh, to uh, all the efforts of the enemy, all the pandemic um, games up and down, all these things, instead of holding back the work, it's going to cause the work to move forward even more quickly than before. This is a true thing that is already manifesting. And so even though we are far apart from a little Malachi and his parents. We are close together as a family, as the family of God. And more importantly, uh, we are brought close together by the Lord. For him, such distance is nothing. He is there and he is here with us. And he is the important part of this dedication, not we, brethren. So with that thought, and knowing that, that um, Malachi Asher Atkinson is here with us, and his mother, Samantha Evans, sorry, Samantha Atkinson and Evan Atkinson, knowing that they're here with us, let us kneel and ask the Lord's blessing and, uh, on this uh, a child. Let us kneel. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you have given us uh, the privilege of bringing our young people to you, to present them to you, holy to you as a gift and offering, and also to ask you for uh, your protection and watch care over these young people, these children. We thank you especially that you have put it in the heart of Sister Samantha and Brother Evan to ask that their child, their little one, Malachi Asher, be dedicated to you this afternoon. We pray that their desire to present him to you will also be accompanied by an intense 
desire on their part to always uh, be faithful parents, to be faithful uh, uh, Davidians, to be faithful in all that they uh, do and say uh, in front of the children, since this is the strongest uh, lesson that will be taught to them. We pray that you will, in a special way, be with Malachi, that you will shield him as he gets older from the wickedness that surrounds all of us in this society that we are temporarily in. We pray that you will keep him safe, that you will direct him paths away from the uh, wrong type of um, company that can cause so much, so many problems. We pray that you will protect him from the uh, dangers that uh, come from the popular media, from uh, as he gets older, from uh, friends who in, try to entice him into activities that are not becoming for a Davidian. We pray that you will send angels to strengthen him and protect him and guide him in these situations, and that you will also be in a very special way with uh, Sister Samantha and, and Brother Evan, that you will give them wisdom and understanding uh, to know how to continue to train their children in the right way. And we pray that all these things that we have asked for, for them, that we, you will also uh, bestow on all those faithful parents in Davidia, that you will watch over them, watch over their children, that you will keep them safe from the bad company, uh, the bad influences that surround them. And we pray especially that you will keep them safe uh, from all the harm and danger that uh, uh, permeates our society today. We pray for our brothers and sisters, wherever they are today, that have joined us, that you will watch over them, that we pray that you, that you will grant them a special blessing for the time they're spending with us today. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, Brother Evan and uh, Sister Samantha, uh, I would plan to uh, make a trip up your way as soon as the Canadians uh, feel like lifting their uh, their two-week quarantine. <laughs> we will make a, a very fast trip in that direction. We do want to see the children. And uh, uh, I see Martin has, has grown <laughs> very much since I last saw him. And so uh, I'm very happy to see all of you. Brother Evans, God bless you. Uh, you have a happy Sabbath. I'm very happy that you... The Lord put in your heart uh, to ask for this dedication at this time. God bless you. Okay, so our subject today is one God in three persons. That's our subject. And um, not much about infinity is comprehensible. Uh, to finite, the finite mind. 
But then that makes perfect sense. How can the finite understand the infinite? How, can, how is that possible? It is not possible, brethren. Scientists cannot find God. They do not sense God. It, it is impossible for us ourselves to sense God or to reach God on our own. We can only do it through his uh, grace. And we can only know about God from what he tells us. You cannot know about God from your great mind. The scientists cannot know about God from measuring him and uh, calculating him and so on. It is impossible. Finite, the finite mind cannot comprehend the infinite mind. And neither can we know anything about it. But we do, we are, we, the Lord does tell us some things about himself. And what he tells us, we are required to accept as Christians, as Davidians. It is not up to us to uh, disbelieve him. Have you ever had someone, you told someone the plain truth, it was as plain as the sun rises in the east, and you knew it was true, and they disbelieved you? How do you feel? You don't feel good when people disbelieve you? Well, it is not quite the same with God, but when he tells us something, he does expect us to believe it. We do have to accept the words of the Lord when he tells us things. If we want to call ourselves Christians, if we want to call ourselves Davidians, now, how do we know things? We know things because he, the Lord reveals these things through the prophets. If it wasn't through the prophets, we wouldn't know. Now, the Lord can also reveal things to us in a dream and uh, in other ways too. That is true. But brethren, uh, nothing we ever hear on, from directly like that will ever contradict the message. What, the Lord does not contradict himself here by saying something over here. He doesn't work like that. So the, the words of the Lord will always be pure. They will always be the same. And what the message says today will never be contradicted. There will be more. We will learn more, but it won't be contradicted. Now, I want to read a couple of, of uh, statements very quickly. They would have been my opening thought, or they are my opening thought, uh, but uh, not my prayer thought, since we prayed already. I hope you will no longer deceive yourself that the shepherd's rod is tearing down anything that God has built up. It is here to restore all things. And that's the key point. The shepherd's rod is here to restore all things. Was the spirit of prophecy here to restore all things? No, it was here to start the process, but it wasn't here to uh, restore all things. Did William Miller come to restore all things? No. Did the pioneers, Adventist pioneers, come to restore all things? No, but the rod did. And the important point to remember is the rod is the message that restores 
all things. It has the last word on everything from the Lord for us. We must believe what is said in the message if we're going to be sealed, if we're going to be saved. I'm not urging you, Brother Hadif says, 3 Code 5 and 6, I am not urging you to believe every word that is spoken by me in every day's passing conversation, but I am trying to make you realize that for the sake of Christ, as well as your soul, you should believe all that is written. Now, Brother Hadith was a man, just like all of us, and some people might find that surprising, uh, but uh, he was. Um, and he's not, he said, I'm not telling you to believe everything I say in every uh, casual conversation, but what is written in the message, we must accept it is the word of God to us. This is the fundamental teaching of the rod. Hear ye the rod. And we must, we do have to believe what is written. Now, Brother Hadith was uh, we, uh, anatypical Ezekiel, the message teaches. I, I think we all um, understand that. It's not news to us. And it's a very interesting situation that happened with typical Ezekiel, and that is also true for anatypical Ezekiel. And I'm going to just, I'm not going to read the, the verse. I'm just going to read um, Brother Hadith in Tract 1, page 28, commenting on that. This positive declaration, commenting on Ezekiel 3, 26, 27, this positive declaration by the Lord himself manifests that the message be unadulterated. The messengers being made dumb can speak only when he opens their mouth and only what he puts in their mouth. A thus saith the Lord God, taking no credit to themselves, they are to exalt inspiration. So anciently, Ezekiel could only speak what was the words that were put into his mouth. And uh, in the antitype, Brother Hadaf is saying here that the things that are written are things that he was given. The words were put there in his mouth, as it were, the thoughts, and uh, they are not his. And he gives credit to the Lord for them, and so do we, brethren. We need to accept it. We, uh, many people will say, uh, yes, I do accept it, but then they will reject the, the, uh, what the message teaches in, in some particular detail or, or and it doesn't matter what we say, it matters what we do. If we are not accepting in every detail the teachings of the message, then we are rejecting it. The message also teaches that God is either leading us all together or not at all. This is a very important um, thought. If you look back on your history and you feel like God was not leading your, your, uh, your people uh, at that time, then there's something wrong because the message does teach that God is either leading us spiritually and physically uh, uh, all together, or he's not leading us at all. And the truth is he's not leading a lot of people today. It is true. But we believe that God was leading uh, in the words of the message. The words are pure. 
the words of the Lord's voice for us today. Now, we're talking about how God can be one God and yet a trinity. And this is troubling to many people who don't have the rod's understanding to guide them. It doesn't need to be troubling to us, brethren. No true Davidian anywhere can be bothered by these things. Now, the very first commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Now, God has revealed himself in a certain way. And what if we say, yes, I accept God, but not Christ. Can we do that? We can't do that, brethren. He has revealed himself in a certain way to us, and we must accept that, or we are rejecting God. We could say, no, no, brother, I accept God, but I accept him the way I, feel, I want to accept him. But that is still rejecting the truth, and we are rejecting what God has told us. God has told us, thou shalt have no other gods before me, and then he has explained what he is. Uh, uh, what his nature is to the degree that he wants to, he has explained. And that first commandment, as it is expanded in the Bible and the spirit of prophecy and the rod, is binding on us as much as any other commandment. Now, some people seem to think that it's fine, perfectly fine to break the first commandment as long as they're not breaking Thou shalt not murder, or thou shalt not steal, or whatever. But brethren, that is not the way the Lord looks at it. To, to break the first commandment is, is a most serious, serious wickedness. We are to not reject uh, God in the way that he has presented himself. And by rejecting him, we place a God of our own creation in our own mind, our, our own creation, we place him in the stead of God. Yes, I believe in God. It's just that God is one person. There's no, Jesus Christ is his son, but it, Jesus, Jesus is not God himself, okay? Now we have rejected the God that has been presented to us and replaced him with our own made up God. And however, whatever we do in our, in our own mind, it doesn't matter how we do it, it is all um, wrong. It is all a very serious wickedness, very serious offense. Um, I hesitate to say that the first commandment is the most important, but it is the first commandment, and uh, we are not going to um, be um, receive the seal by open uh, and continuous disobedience to the first commandment any more than we will receive the seal if we are disobeying any of the other commandments. The Sabbath commandment, uh, the, um, uh, uh, the, um, the murder, thou shalt not uh, kill commandment, uh, every single commandment, uh, we, we will not, um, we can have open sin on these things and not receive the seal. We, uh, we will not receive the seal also uh, for the first commandment, if we have, uh, and it's not, well, brother, I just have a different viewpoint on that. You and I just have different viewpoints. True. And uh, it is some, some 
viewpoints are not legitimate in the, in the eyes of God. There are many uh, people who worship false gods. If we were in ancient Bible times, the Lord would smite them. Uh, now, in our time, we do, a different law exists, and we don't do that. But the, the, the actual law of the wages of sin, the consequences, is still there. And all those people who reject God are going to face that same judgment in the end. Okay, this would have been helpful for the others. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. Now, Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5. God is one God, but he manifests uh, in the New Testament in three persons. How is that possible? Well, how is it possible for God to be here and to be in uh, British Columbia with the Atkinson family at the same time? How is that possible? Does that make sense? Well, it makes sense because you have faith, but, but it doesn't make sense to a scientist or a, a non-believer and so on. But we know that God can be not only in two places, he can be in every place at once, okay? Uh, and so um, there are things about God that don't make sense. So when we say uh, the Lord our God is one Lord, and he manifests in three persons. Does that make sense? Not exactly, no, it doesn't. Not from a logical point of view, and there'll be plenty of pioneers, plenty of apostates today who will point out the, the logical difficulties there. But logic breaks down when you apply it to the infinite. It, it, doesn't, have, it doesn't have any meaning, even in science. Uh, logic breaks down on the uh, what is called the quantum level. Things are strange on the quantum level. Einstein was not real happy. He called it uh, spooky action at a distance. Things happen that shouldn't happen. Actually, they're doing teleportion on the quantum level. And they're engineering quantum mechanics in various really fascinating ways. Uh, but the uh, point is, is that logic, our regular everyday logic, breaks down on the quantum level. I mean, teleportion, uh, I'm pretty sure you don't believe in that, right? <laughs> but they have uh, achieved that on the quantum level with particles, you understand. Very tiny particles. Um, and uh, we will believe all those things when we see them. But they are engineering these things and quantum computers are at the doorstep even now and there are many other things coming. So do not be too skeptical. Uh, these things are uh, mostly real, but they're not logical necessarily by our everyday laws of logic. Well, uh, on the infinite level, it's even less useful. Logic is even less useful. It has no real use with God. We, we cannot say, well, it's not very logical for the father and the son to be the same. This is our argument someone tried, a pioneer. We'll get to it. But it, it, 
logic means nothing, brethren, to God. In, uh, and let me make that clear. Man-made logic, man-comprehensible logic means nothing. It was the word which brought, sorry, it, it was the word which wrought creation in the beginning, and it is the word that is to finish the work of the earth. The word, it, remember, the restoration of all things. Uh, there's a question. Sorry. Uh, yes, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was, I was just going to say something about the, the logic. I mean, it might be strange to some people, but logic is based on facts that you know. But when it comes to God, we don't know all the facts. So that's why we can't apply our logic to um, confine him. Very true, Brother Devin. Uh, let me just say, too, though, that um, don't assume that logic is the ultimate um, science or ultimate way of knowing things. Uh, we value logic very highly, and that's fine. But... Uh, uh, from a purely intellectual point of view, I think we could all agree that uh, with, if there was a being, uh, and we know there is a being, if there is a being with an IQ many times ours, wouldn't it be possible that they have other sciences and ways of reasoning and, uh, and understanding things beyond ours? And of course, that is true, okay? So... Um, uh, while we, at a human level, have to respect logic, we have to respect logic, and as it applies to our everyday world, uh, we, we, we should understand that there are limitations to it as well. Uh, it was the word which wrought creation in the beginning, and it is the word that is to finish the work of the earth. The word is nothing more or less than the Trinity speaking to us. The Godhead. God's commission to man joins him to the Trinity and shows that God wants us to be co-laborers with him. Man the mouthpiece and the Bible the word. So the message is restoring uh, the truth, restoring the earth to the Edenic ideal, working toward that end. And it is also restoring uh, understanding of God that was lost. And when the, when the message talks about the Trinity, that is part of the restoration of the truth on God. This is not new. Uh, Adam and others who had, Enoch, who had direct communion with God, knew many things. And God revealed himself to them in many ways. But uh, many things were lost uh, over the uh, many years, but the, the rod is working to restore these things. Now, these things were restored in the time of Jesus. This is a fact. But um, there's questions about it. And the rod puts an authoritative stamp, as it were, that this is the way it is. For us. Now, not everybody has that, that authoritative prophetic stamp. Not everybody believes that. The Adventists don't have that. Uh, the, uh, the pioneers Adventists didn't have that. 
and coming from other churches, you understand. And so not everybody does understand that the word is nothing more or less than the Trinity speaking to us. And to some people, the words of the pioneers uh, have an exaggerated importance. And it's based on this consul. From, um, this is um, uh, from um, Consuls to Writers and Editors, I think it's called. Uh, we are to repeat the words of the pioneers in our work who knew what it cost to search for the truth as for hidden treasure and who labored to lay the foundation of our work. We are to repeat the truth of the pioneers. We are not called on to repeat their errors. The pioneers had all kinds of ideas, brethren, starting from Sabbath, when Sabbath should be kept, how long it should be kept, and many other things. The pioneers had, many of them came into line behind the Adventist uh, denominational teachings, but they didn't all do that. Many of them held out, kept their own teachings, their own ideas. Now, we respect the pioneers, as Sister White said, but we are not told that the pioneers are restoring all things, are they? Are they? It is the rod that is restoring all things, brethren. And the pioneers' errors because they have uh, their errors may be hoary with age, the age does not make error truth, nor truth error. 60, uh, 142. So when, the, when people repeat the errors of the pioneers, does that have any effect on us as Davidians? No effect, brethren. We don't, it doesn't uh, have any, uh, we, ha we have no concern. We do not get our message from the pioneers. They are not restoring all things. They are not doing Elijah's work. Elijah started that work of restoration and it continues on without pioneers, Adventist pioneers. Plainly then, whatsoever things inspiration itself does not teach and interpret are not worth remembering, teaching, or even listening to. Now, this is a key teaching of the message. It will keep us out of a lot of trouble if we just remember this. Brother, let me show you what Sister White says. Let me show you what um, um, uh, uh, Brother um, uh, Loughborough says. Let me show you this one. Let me show you that one, what they say. Okay? No. If it's uh, to be put in contradiction uh, to uh, the message, no, we don't care. We're not interested. It has no effect on us. They're not worth remembering those old things. It's not worth teaching, or especially it's not worth you listening to. Just, just look at this. Come on, don't be so closed-minded. Just look at this with us. Listen to it. But what are we told as Davidians? We're told that it's not even worth listening to. If they say there is, there is no trinity, and Brother Hadaf has said that there is a trinity, the message teaches that, then we are not even to listen. Don't do it. What will happen if you do? 
Brethren, if you are told to do something and you know you've been told to do something and you deliberately want to do something differently and you do it, you're going to make excuses in your mind of why you are right and you're going to go a certain way. You're not going the right way if you do it. So those who want to be faithful will remember these things. When you come up against falsehood, clear falsehood, it's not a different understanding. It's, it's, it's not something that may be, may not. The rod doesn't say that, that that's a separate issue. But when the rod clearly teaches Trinity and someone wants to tell you no Trinity, that doesn't exist. That's a Catholic doctrine. Then right there, you see somebody telling you something that is not worth remembering, teaching, or even listening to. But if you do want to go ahead and listen, you are on your own at that point. Not a good place to be. So we have five statements here from, uh, well, more or less five, maybe four. Um, from, no, it's four, uh, five statements. Um, first one is from Fundamental Beliefs, page three that the Godhead or Trinity consists of the eternal Father, a personal spiritual being, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, infinite in wisdom and love, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the eternal Father, through whom all were things were created and through whom the salvation of the redeemed hosts will be accomplished, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, the great regenerating power in the work of redemption. Matthew 28, 19. And that's um, Fundamental Beliefs, page three. Now, that's the last word. There really isn't ne necessary to read four more statements on this subject, but um, just to be aware, the message does teach Trinity, and that is how the Lord has revealed himself to us as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And it's up to the Lord how he wants to reveal himself, brethren. Uh, we are like little children. We don't like that. We don't like the clothes you're wearing. We're going to throw a temper tantrum. What, what business of, uh, of, it, uh, of ours is it? It's none. However God reveals himself to us, that is how God is as far as we're concerned. We have to accept what he says and believe it. And what's worse uh, is those people who believe error and then work and uh, agitate ceaselessly to spread their error to others. Now, I like this statement um, a lot because it tells us a, a very important thing. And um, let's just read the whole thing. Go ye therefore and teach all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Matthew 28, 19. Now, one, one point here, the fact that Brother Adolf quoted this is the last word. We don't have to make excuses, but there are people who uh, think that they have knowledge and they will attack these statements as, well, you know, the Bible uh, is not perfect, and so on. But the Bible has been preserved, said Sister White. The Lord's hand has been over it, and it has been preserved. And uh, we do use the King James Version 
as our doctrinal um, authoritative um, holy word. Okay, so um, don't fall for there's imperfections in the Bible, all kinds of imperfections. We know them. We've been through this with the brethren. It, it doesn't matter what imperfections they uh, want to um, come up with. The Lord has said no. The Bible has been protected. Our Bible today is valid. It is authoritative. It is what the Lord wants us to use. There's nothing wrong with it. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the spirit that beareth witness because the spirit is truth. For there are three that bear wit record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one, 1 John 5, 6, and 7. Now, this is a key part. When we are baptized in the name, singular, not names, this is Brother Hadif, uh, uh, uh interjection. Uh, when we are baptized in the name, uh, singular, not names, of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, we are baptized in our Maker, the blood, and the truth, and these three are one. It is one God, brethren. We don't serve three gods. We serve one God in three persons. And these three are one. Thus we are baptized in the name, not the names, because these three are one. The Trinity, creation, redemption, truth. Now, if we do away with the Holy Spirit, and we only have two here, we do away with the truth. And we break the symmetry of uh, the thought, but not only the thought there of other symbolisms that Brother Hadith, that the Lord has worked out through Brother Hadith. Most people, though, act as if they were baptized in the church to a society, to Paul or to Apollos, so to speak. But we as reformers and present truth believers must go on with the truth wherever it leads us, always remembering that we have been baptized to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. One God, the name of one God. And this is a one code, I'm gonna read this. Um, uh, one code 15, page 10. Our existence is dependent on the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Let it be understood that all our existence is dependent upon the four indispensable fundamental facts, each of which is subdivided into three undeniable factors. The first of these fundamentals is the indwelling of the Father, the Son, and nothing. Okay? But it is the Holy Ghost. And whoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. For there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, the Holy Ghost, these three are one. First John 5 15, sorry, 1 John 4, 15, 5, and 7. So in the second fundamental, which is the medium for obtaining the first group of factors, there are three that bear witness in earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood. These three agree in one. 1 John 5, 8. Now, take out the, spir uh, the, the spirit, 
and the blood, uh, sorry, the, uh, the, the spirit, the water, and the blood. Take out the spirit, take out the truth, and you have two. You don't have the three. Brother Hadith clearly taught these three um, aspects of the Godhead, uh, the Trinity, as upholding all of our existence, underpinning it. Now, when we destroy the doctrine of the Trinity, we invalidate the Rod's numerical interpretation of the number three. There's just many consequent um, um, problems if you start tinkering with what the message teaches. By all Bible students, numbers three and seven are accepted to be the biblical numbers to a certain, uh, the scriptural truths. The spirit of prophecy bears witness to this as well as the Bible. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on in earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. Now, what Brother Hadif is saying here is that there is a certain um, symbolical meaning to the, uh, to the number three because of this. And if we take that away, uh, three, uh, uh, you, we cannot get that same meaning from uh, three. And it does have certain uh, consequences. Overall, we have to realize that we have no real comprehension of God. Brother Hadith says in 1 Code 7, 9, some have an altogether too narrow view of the Godhead. And I would only say that uh, if there is anyone who doesn't, is not part of the sum, who has a, has a true view of the Godhead, I will be uh, very impressed. Uh, it is impossible, once again, for our finite minds to come uh, to hold in them the understanding of the Godhead. We cannot understand. It is always going to be too narrow. We limit the Lord. Well, the Lord couldn't do this. He couldn't be here. He couldn't be there. He has to be right there and do this and be in this way. Be one or be two. He can't be three. And in all cases, brethren, it is too narrow a view. And this is what the message teaches. It's a very uh, advanced thought because every person that you will ever meet has too narrow a view of the Godhead. We've talked about this before. Uh, how great is the infinity that God is. When you meditate on that, when you start to think about how great God is, it is a subject that can pull you in and uh, fascinate the mind and uh, also um, um, uplift uh, the, the soul. It is a, a very important thought. But remember this, never find yourself having too narrow a view of the Godhead or contradicting anything that the Lord has told us about himself. And at the same time, while we should not be subtracting anything that the Lord has told us about himself, don't add. We are not to speculate about the nature of God. We are told that in black and white by the spirit of prophecy. 
it is impossible for us to speculate on our own about the nature of God. The spirit of prophecy does teach three persons of the Godhead. Because of time, uh, I think we are not going to go through this, but um, the spirit of prophecy does teach it. And one of the very important things that Sister White says here is a vision or a dream that, where she was shown. In later years, I have been shown that the false theories uh, advanced in the past have by no means been given up. As favorable opportunities come, they will have a resurrection. Let us not forget that everything is to be shaken that can be shaken. The enemy will be successful in overthrowing the faith of some, but those who are true to the principle, to principle will not be shaken. Now there's five points here that I have numbered myself. Five thoughts here that she has presented that I wanted to call attention to. The false theories of the past will come again. She was shown that. When? In the latter times that we live in. Time is short, brethren, and the enemy is going to throw into the breach every false idea that he has ever had. All of the false ideas of the past, all the wickedness, all of the foolishness, all of the time setting, it's all concentrated right now. And it will deceive even the very elect if we let it. If it were possible, even the very elect would be deceived. But the wise are not going to be deceived. And we need to understand that. We need to understand that everyone will be shaken who can be shaken. There are people who are going to be shaken out. And we're very sorry for that. We wish it wasn't so. But in the end, uh, the Lord knows best. And we are not to um, murmur or complain. We need to be loyal to support what the Lord does. He has said that these things are going to come back and they are going to be, uh, the enemy will be successful in, in um, using these things to overthrow the faith of some. It is very sad, uh, but true. Now, let's look at just uh, very briefly a couple of things from the pioneers. Um, J.N. Loughborough. It is not very consonant with common sense to talk of three beings, three being one and one being three. Okay, and then he went on to, uh, he or another one, maybe uh, Joseph Bates, I don't remember, but they went on to make the analogy is uh, that am I and my father the same? We are not the same. So therefore, God and the son are not the same. It meant nothing, that logic. It was less than nothing. And this logic here is also less than nothing. Why? Because we cannot uh, apply human logic to the divine, except in those areas where the Lord has already showed us some definite point. But except for that, we cannot do that. In no way can we say, well, it's not very sensible that, uh, that, Jesus, uh, that Christ can be 
the only begotten son of God, and he's still God too. And that's not sensible that the son is the same as the, the father. Sister White describes um, uh, Christ as the, the, the pre-existing, self-existing um, uh, Christ. Okay, understand what she just said, what I'm quoting correctly more on those key words. The pre-existing, self-existing. And because the two are one, okay? And if we see Christ, we see his Father. But it's not very sensible from a logical point of view. Do not let them trip you up, brethren. Now, what the rod says is actually the key to knowing what we believe, not the spirit of prophecy exactly. You see, the the spirit of prophecy is the previous message. It is the message of the uh, judgment of the dead. It's very important, and it's, uh, it's going to be given a second time with power and force, and it also... Um, it is also um, very valuable to us in, in our everyday life. But when it comes to doctrinal understanding, this shepherd's rod message takes the lead. It is the most important message. And if we have any doubts on this, we're not Davidians. There has never, therefore, come to God's people a more important message than this, the shepherd's rod. I know we all know this, but I want you to understand that if someone comes to you with something that seems to be not so clear from the spirit of prophecy, it's not so clear on this side, maybe or maybe not. Actually, it's pretty clear in the spirit of prophecy if we had read that slide. And then on this side, the rod says Trinity, three persons of the Godhead. What are you going to do? What, what, is, what is our guide? The rod. It is entirely the rod. There's no confusion for us. And we understand the spirit of prophecy in perfectly perfect harmony with the message. There's no conflict. There's only a conflict if you want to twist Sister White into saying no trinity, which she never did. And Brother Harris says trinity, and you say, aha. Look, we have a conflict, but it, it, is, uh, um, it is untruthful. Uh, it is um, a deceptive behavior to try to do that. Sister White did not say that. But Brother Hannah did say Trinity, brethren. That is a fact that we have read uh, and you have seen yourself. Only when we have done all we can to comply with the requirements of the message for today, not yesterday, shall we be sealed and stand with the Lamb on Mount Zion. So it is the message of today, the shepherd's rod, that we must comply with. One of the things that we must comply with is the truth on the Trinity. It's not a Catholic teaching. It's a Davidian teaching. If you're going to be a Davidian, indeed, you have to believe this. You have to accept it. Not because Brother Trevor said it, and not even because Brother Hannah said it, but because we believe that is what the Lord said through the rod. And we are to hear the rod. So to be sealed, we must comply with the requirements of the message today, 
Not yesterday. What yesterday was he talking about? He was talking about the spirit of prophecy, the message of the judgment of the dead, the investigative message of the judgment of the dead. Now, one more pioneer very quickly. E.J. Wagner. Um, you ask what we teach about the Trinity. And as much as we find no such expression in the scriptures, we do not teach anything about it. Okay? So um, we're sorry for people to the pioneers who have said these things. And um, they're, just because you might be called a pioneer doesn't mean that you are righteous in all your ways, that your, all your thoughts are perfect, your doctrine is perfect, and so on. Okay? It is not so. And Brother Wagner was uh, teaching what many people believed in the church at that time. He was anti-Trinity. We understand that, but it makes, it's of no consequence to us. The message is the last message. It restores all things. Ezekiel speaks correctly. He, Ezekiel does not speak his own words. There was no accident when Brother Hanif used the word Trinity multiple times and explained what it was and the importance of the Trinity. And so we uh, do teach the Trinity and we do find the concept in the Bible. Uh, we do find the the word is not there, but then none of our words is there in the Bible. The Bible was written in, um, the New Testament was written in um, mostly Greek. And, um, and so we're not um, too worried about um, uh, the exact words. We uh, have words that are added to the language now. And uh, Brother Haref has added this uh, word, Trinity. It is to be understood as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, exactly as Brother Hadif uh, explains. And these, uh, this is uh, in the name uh, of the Father, the, 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 the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Uh, remember, the name, not the names. It's not three gods with three separate names. And there are some people who think that. But God is one, one God in three. And I understand that, uh, that I, I, I realize that none of us, neither me or anyone else, uh, all of us, we, we do not understand what this means. I, I realize that. But by faith, we accept that. No, I just wanted to add a quick point, Brother Trevor, that the father Wagner, the Wagner that didn't believe in the Trinity was the father of the Wagner that proclaimed the 1880, but the two Jones and Wagner, they believe in the Trinity. But so the father and the son always had a conflict over the Trinity because the son believed, but the father didn't believe. The father said God could not have a son. So Jesus was not a part of the Godhead. Amen. Amen. So he, he represents a certain class of pioneer that people today um, 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 try to use against us, and they use the words of Sister White to say, listen to the pioneers, and then they will bring this pioneer and show you what they say. Then they will bring you another pioneer and show you what that pioneer said. Does it matter to us? No, we are beyond that. We have the final message. And 
uh, it is not worth our while to listen, to remember, to have anything to do with those things, uh, and certainly not to teach these things, brethren. It is uh, um, uh, unrighteousness to teach these things. And the reason why these things are so serious is that it attacks the very nature of God as he has revealed himself. It is, I will believe in a God that I want. You know, the deists believe in gods, uh, in God. How many people think that deists is the same thing as atheists? It's not. The deists believe in a God of their own creation, by the way, safely far away, not bothering them in any way. Okay? And um, do you think that the deists are faithful to the first commandment? Do you think that? They're not. None of them. And neither are those who reject the Trinity, who reject the divinity of Christ or the existence of the Holy Spirit. None of these people are faithful to the first commandment. It cannot be, brethren. We cannot have open sin like this uh, and just ignore it, pretend it's of no consequence and so on. It is very serious uh, sin as serious as anything else. Okay, we're just about to wrap this up. Since the promised Elijah is to be the last prophet to the church today, as John the Baptist was the last prophet to the church in his day, and since the last work on earth is the judgment of the living, the truth stands forth like the light of day that Elijah's message is the message of the judgment for the living, the last, which in the very nature of the gospel is of far more importance and consequence than any other message ever born to a people. There is no other previous message near as important as the shepherd's rod. Do you put a lot of stock in the spirit of prophecy? You do good. It is good. There, the Lord has given us the spirit of prophecy to instruct us in the ways of righteousness. Do you get your doctrine from the spirit of prophecy? That's good too, but if you get the last word on doctrine, then you are making a mistake. You are to understand the spirit of prophecy uh, in harmony with the rod. Understand them together. They don't conflict, they are together because the same uh, the Lord that inspired the spirit of prophecy also inspired the rod. And there is no con uh, conflict, but just keep in mind that the rod is the last and greatest message. It's something that Davidians seem to forget very quickly. I'm not even sure if the six-month rule applies to this. I have a six-month rule that says uh, people will forget whatever you tell them in six months. Okay, and I feel like a lot of Davidians will forget sooner. But brethren, don't forget. This message is the last and greatest message. It goes all the way to the end. We are told to hear the rod. We are not told to hear the branch. We're not told to hear the wave sheaf. We're not told to hear anything but the rod. And uh, those people who chose the wrong names for their messages it is too bad. You don't get to rename it. The Lord does not give you the right uh, as a prophet to say, whoops, I made a mistake. 
I'm going to call it something else now. I'm tired of calling it the wave sheaf. I'm going to call it a new name. It is still the wave sheaf, and it's the wrong name. And the branch is also wrong. And all the rest, all of them, they're could not be any other message. This is the last and greatest and most important message that God has sent. So let us be faithful, brethren. Remember it. And what, when there seems to be a conflict, understand the conflict in, in this way. Harmonize the conflicting statement with the rod, and you will find that everything meshes together perfectly. So God reveals himself to us as a unity of three eternal personages. The Father is infinite God, the Son is infinite God, and the Holy Ghost is infinite God. Now, this little drawing here does not have any real connection with God. It's not meant to be a representation of the Trinity, except to show you three and one. Okay, now how how God really is three in one is far far beyond my little illustration. Okay, but it is possible for three three to be one. That is possible. Okay, you can see that with your eyes, and even though we don't understand how God is uh, one God. And three persons, we don't understand that in a technical, exact, logical, scientific way. Uh, and it's impossible, too, brethren, uh, in the end, to fully understand. But while we don't understand, we can have faith that it is true. And in the end, faith is the most important thing, which is why I was quibbling with Brother Davin on logic. <laughs> Uh, logic is very, very important, but in the end, uh, faith is the thing that is going to get us through. If we hold on to this message that we have and, our, and, and, and do not allow anything to uh, take the truth from us that we have today, we will go all the way through with this message. This message goes all the way through to the end of probation for the world. And if we're faithful, we will go through with it too. Thank you, brethren. Thank you for listening. This has been a production of the Davidian Seventh-day Adventist Association. You can find us online at www.bashanhill.org and you can call us at 417-835-2162.